0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you and welcome to the show uh, We begin with a show tonight that I know will please Bill Shepard in Thetford, Vermont and all fans of the Western-themed radio shows. Well, we're about to go back to 1951 to hear William Boyd don the black outfit and step into the stirrups on the back of his horse Topper and ride into another adventure of the Old West. The show tonight, it's called Shot in the Dark.
2: With action and suspense out of the Old West comes the most famous hero of them all, Offalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd. The Ring of the Silver Spurs heralds the most amazing man ever to ride the prairies of the early West. Offalong Cassidy, the same hoppy you cheer in motion pictures, and the same California you've laughed at a million times. Raw courage and quick shooting have built a legend around this famous hero. Hopalong is a name to be feared, respected, and admired. For this great cowboy rides the trails of adventure and excitement. William Boyd as Hopalong Cassidy and Andy Clyde as California. What's our
3: story this time, Hoppy? I call this one a shot in the dark. It was getting on towards supper time when California and I rode into the little town of Spurlock. We've gone out of our way in order to stop by and say hello to the niece of Jim Reynolds, an old friend of mine in St. Louis. Hey,
4: Hoppy, uh, that must be the place right there. Crawford General Store. Frank Crawford. Prop. <laughs> uh, ain't that the name of the fellow Jim said it mattered great? That's it, California. Looks like a nice store, too. Yeah, a heap better than the store across the street from the look of it. Seems funny a young couple with plenty of money would come out and settle in a place like this,
3: though. Well, according to Jim's letter, Crawford's health isn't too good. He has to be someplace where it's hot and dry.
4: Well, he come to the right place, then. <laughs> but uh must be sort of tough and grace, though. This is a far cry from St. Louis.
3: Ah, uh, here's the store. Let's tie up and say hello, then we'll get down to the hotel. Search me, Hoppy, and uh, I hope they get a couple of good bags, eh? sir. <laughs> I could use a nice thick steak too. Yeah, yes, muffin and onions. <laughs> My mouth's a watering already. Uh, place looks deserted. Oh, there's somebody at the back by the counter.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must be Grace talking to the short feller. Looks
3: like she's been crying.
5: Is there something I can do for you, gentlemen?
3: Uh, you're Grace Crawford, aren't you? Well, yes. <laughs> I'm Hopalong Cassidy, and this is California Carlson. Your uncle, Jim Reynolds, is an old friend.
5: Oh, of course. I've heard him speak of you so often. I'm very happy to meet you both.
3: It's a pleasure, ma'am, and you're as
4: pretty as Jim's letter said you were.
5: Thank you. I'm afraid I don't feel very pretty right now. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Mr. Cassidy, Mr. Carlson, this is Judge Bryan, a friend of ours.
3: Welcome to Spurlock, gentlemen. Thanks. It isn't often we meet up with a judge in these parts. Yeah, we've been kind of lucky. Uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> what
4: I- Yes, yeah, yes,
3: I think I understand But I'm not really a judge anymore I've gone into private practice again If you need any legal advice, just call on me Thanks, we'll do that Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll be getting back to my office But,
5: but Judge, what about Frank?
3: Oh, there was something I could do, Grace But he won't listen to me when he's been drinking Now, you know that
5: I know, but I'm worried uh,
3: Excuse me, Grace, I don't want to butt in But if there's anything we can do, I'm I... afraid
5: there's nothing anybody can do Frank has changed so since we came here six months ago. Taken to drinking and gambling and spending all his time at the saloon down the street.
3: Well, the worst part of it is that, and he's made some enemies. A couple of them would as soon shoot him as look at him. Hmm. What have they got against him?
5: I'm afraid he started out on the wrong foot here, Mr. Cassidy. They resented being from the East and the fact that he's fairly wealthy. Frank's done nothing to make them like him. In fact,
3: now, what she's trying to say, Cassidy, is that... Frank has deliberately been hard to get along with. He's made it quite clear to everybody that he considers himself above them due to his wealth and family background.
5: Miss Grace! Yes, what is it, Jake? It's Mr. Frank.
3: I'm afraid there's going to be trouble. Well,
5: Jake, what's the matter? Well,
3: he's in a poker game
6: with Crip Farrell and Big Tom Gorman, Miss Grace, and it looks like they're trying to two-time him.
5: Oh, Judge Bryan, what can we do?
6: We've well, got to get him out of there quick. you better do something or he's going to get killed, sure. <laughs>
2: back to Hopalong Cassidy and our story, A Shot in the Dark. Poppy and California had stopped at the little town of Spurlock to look up Grace Crawford, the niece of an old friend. When they entered the Crawford general store, they found Grace talking with Judge Bryan and worrying about the actions of her husband. A short time later, a man came in to report that Frank Crawford was in the Silver Sage Saloon... and there was bound to be trouble.
3: Yes, we'll have to go easy, man. Frank won't be easy to get out of that saloon. The men he's playing poker with are mean customers. Just who are they, Judge? Yeah, they'd as soon shoot Frank as look at him. Crip Carroll's a shady character, owns the Silver Sage. And Big Tom Gorman owns the other general store. He hated Frank ever since he opened his store here. This the place? Yeah, 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 this is it. Come on. Hmm, ain't very crowded. Yeah, that's them. Three men at the table over in the corner. Well, they don't look too friendly toward each other. They won't like our trying to break up their game, either. Yeah, if only Frank will listen to reason. Oh, uh, oh, Frank? Yeah? On your mind, Judge? Frank, it's a, it's Grace. She, well, she, she wants to see you. Your wife wants to see you, Frank. You better run along like a good little boy. Shut up, both of you. You better call it quits and come along, Frank.
6: Look, Judge, I pay you to look after my investments and business affairs, but your job stops there. You don't have to stick your nose into my private life.
3: I'm only trying to help you, Frank. You know that.
6: You're getting on my nerves, Judge. Supposing you haul out of here and let us
3: get on with the game? Yeah, beat it, Brian. How about it, Frank? You coming? No. Can't You see, I'm busy. Your deal, Tom. Uh, pardon me, gentlemen. Mind if I sit in? Cassidy, wouldn't he? Uh, excuse me, Judge. <laughs> uh, we're playing a high stake game, cowboy. Uh, that's fine. I think I got enough to go on for a spell. Yeah, but but
4: quiet, Judge. he knows what he's doing. Let's just look on.
6: Deal, Gorman. You and Farrell are seven thousand enemy, me, and I plan to get it back. See your five hundred and raise you thousand, Crawford. You're bluffing, Farrell. I can win this pot and be
3: even. I'll call. I'm out. How about you, cowboy? I'm afraid that's a little rich for my blood. I'll fold. Well, just you and me, eh, Crawford? Cards? Uh two. There you are, and
6: the dealer takes one. Just a minute there, Farrell. Yeah? I saw that. What are you talking about? You slipped about? that card off the bottom of the deck. Hey, you better watch what you're saying, Crawford. Why, you chin horn. You're accusing me of cheating. That's exactly what I'm doing, Crip Farrell. No wonder I've been losing
3: steadily. You're asking Fort Crawford, and know you're Keep going. your hands right where they are, gentlemen. You stay out of this, cowboy. Yeah, what are you horning in for? This is none of your affair. Maybe I'm making it my affair. I saw him slip that card off of the bottom. He's been cheating all along. That's right, he has. And if you're too stupid not to have noticed it before, you should be home playing tiddlywinks. Wait a minute there. You two had this plan, didn't you? I never set eyes on this man until I walked in a few minutes ago. I just want to see that he gets out of here in one piece. Now, take your money and get out of here, Crawford. All right, come on, Frank. Get back to the store. I'm not taking orders from anybody. Least of all, this cow hand. When I want somebody to protect me,
6: I'll hire a bodyguard.
3: California, get his money off the table and give it to him. All
6: right, Alfie. You won't get away with this. That's my money. Cripp's right. He had the high hand. Here you are, Crawford.
3: Now get out and don't come back, Crawford. All right,
6: I'll go. But those two haven't heard the last of this. And
3: neither have you, Crawford. You'd better get clear out of town while you've got a
6: chance, Crawford. You'll never scare me away, either of you. Speaking of getting out of town, that wouldn't be
3: bad advice for you to follow, Cowboy. We don't like strangers meddling in our affairs here. Thanks. I'll remember that. Pay no attention to them, Cassidy. You're welcome in Spurlock as long as you want to stay. Well, we just want to get a room at the hotel for the night, Judge. That is, uh, if these gentlemen don't object. Come along, then. I'll show you where it is. And I'm sure they've got a room.
4: You know, Hoppy, that's as fine a steak as I've had in quite a spell. <laughs>
3: that, that sure was. Well, I trust you men are being well taken care of. Oh, did you get a room all right? Yeah, we got one. We're about to make use of it, too. A good night's sleep will do us both good. Yeah, I can well understand. Yeah, I wonder if you'd do something for Frank Crawford first. That all depends, Judge. What do you mean? And I just came from his store, and we've had quite a talk. Frank realizes now that you did him a great favor at the saloon, and, well, he He'd like to see and apologize. <laughs> he doesn't have to apologize for anything. But I'd be glad to talk to him if he's simmered down. Fine, fine. Well, you'll find him in his office at the rear of his store. All right. Aren't you coming along, though? No, no, no. Frank wanted me to get some things in order for him. So I'll have to get back to my own office. Ed, I'll see you tomorrow before you leave, though. All right, Judge. <sighs> must be awful being a lawyer and having to work nights that way. Ah, uh, some people think it's the only life. Come on, let's stop by our room and then uh, go see the office. Just a second now, and here we are. I, uh. Uh, well, I'll be. I could have swore I locked that door when we went out to eat. (laughs) Uh, California, you're getting more absent minded every day.
4: Well, nobody could steal much from
3: us, anyhow. Uh, we weren't gone long. Seems to be in order. Oh, don't let it bother you. What are uh, you going to do? Uh, take along your hardware? Sure. <laughs> I don't mind leaving my gun belt here while I eat. But from when I've seen of this town, you never know when a six gun might come in handy. Better put yours on, too.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: not a bad idea. Then. Well, let's go. And this time, lock the door. Lock the door.
4: Everybody works for a night here. There's the light in Gorman store across the street, too.
3: Maybe he's trying to figure out a way to improve business. Excuse
4: me, Mr. Grant. Why, sure,
6: Grace. I, I don't mind waiting.
5: Oh, I'm glad you've come, Mr. Cassidy and Mr. Carson.
3: Glad too, Grace. Is your husband here?
5: Yes, he's back in his office. Go right on back, won't you? All right. I'm so grateful for what you did, Mr. Cassidy. Judge Bryan told me all about it. Frank realizes that. I'm that.
3: glad he understands. He didn't seem to appreciate it at the time. I'll go back and see him.
5: Fine. I'll finish waiting on
3: Mr. Grant. Uh, I'll wait out here with Grace Shopping. All right. I won't be long.
6: Well, come in, Cassidy.
3: I've
6: been waiting for you.
3: The judge gave me your message. I feel like a fool, Cassidy. I should have known you were trying to keep me from getting into a bad spot. Well, but... uh, don't let it bother you. It looks like you're playing in rough company. That's your dog? Yes, that's Colonel. I have him tied on a rope
6: out back. Sounds like quite a watchdog. <laughs> oh, he's that all right. A one man dog. Most of the time he's just barking at cats and other dogs. I'll close the
3: window play he won't Crawford, look out. <laughs> Crawford. Could you see who it was? Hoppy, what uh. Huffy, what's happened? It's Crawford. He's been shot. Thanks.
7: Frank, speak to me.
3: I... I'm afraid he can't, Grace. Franks.
7: Oh, no.
3: How'd it happen, Hoppy? Somebody shot him through that open window. I couldn't see who it was. Just saw a gun.
7: Frank. Oh, Frank.
3: California. Look after Grace. Sure, Hoppy. Just a minute, cowboy. Where are you going so fast? Out the back way. I might be able to run the killer down. Hold on a minute. How come your gun was drawn when we came in? Why, just let me see that gun. Look, Mister, while we're standing around here, Crawford's murderer is making a getaway.
5: Mr. Grant, are you insinuating that Mr. Cassidy shot my husband?
3: I'm not
6: insinuating anything. Look at this, Mrs. Crawford.
5: One of the cartridges has been fired.
6: What? I think I'd better just hold you till the sheriff shows up, cowboy. On suspicion of murder. <laughs>
2: talking to Frank Crawford in his office at the rear of the general store, someone fired a shot from outside the open window, and Crawford fell dead with a bullet in the heart. Later, when the sheriff entered and discovered one of the shells in Hoppy's
3: gun had been fired, he placed Hoppy under arrest on suspicion of murder. Ah, uh, you're making a big mistake, Sheriff. are you wasting your time bringing me here, Crawford's murder has gotten away clean. Cassidy, what's this all about? I just saw Grace and your friend Carlson... Sheriff, you've got no reason to lock this man up. Now, simmer down, Judge.
4: You ought to know all about circumstantial evidence. Well, does this man look like a murderer? Of course
2: not.
3: Well, he'll sure get a chance to prove he ain't before a jury. I'm taking him to the county seat tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see about that. Leave us alone, Sheriff. I want to talk to Cassidy here.
1: You
4: figuring to act as
3: his lawyer, Judge? If he likes, yes.
4: Well, in that case, I reckon it's all
3: right. But hurry
4: it up. I want to get some sleep tonight.
3: Uh, it's terrible, Cassidy. I'll try and get a writ from the county seat tomorrow. We'll get your release from here. You don't think I killed Crawford, then? Huh? I, of course not. Yeah, but What's this about a bullet from your gun having been fired? Yeah, one of them was fired, all right. Somebody must have planted an empty shell in my gun while California and I were eating over at the hotel. Ah, yeah, this is beginning to add up, Cassidy. What do you mean? Big Tom Gorman lives at the hotel. You think Gorman might have watched for a chance and then got into our room while we were out? Well, he could have easily enough. Of course we can't jump to conclusions. Well, Crip Farrell could have done it too, for that matter. Both had reasons for wanting to see Crawford dead. Well, whoever it was did a clever job making it look like I'm the guilty man. I know. I know, and it's going to be hard proving you didn't do it. Yeah, but don't worry. We'll get you out of this all right. You just sit tight here, Cassidy. <laughs> Doesn't look like there's much else I can do. But if you see California, tell him I want to see him right away, will you? <laughs>
7: huh uh, Shh, Hoppy. It's me, California.
4: Come over to the window. Oh. Uh, California, what are you doing out there? The sheriff wouldn't let me come in to see you. Well, Hoppy, what are we going to do? I don't know, but I sure don't like being cooped up in here. Have you found out anything? Oh, not much. I looked outside that window for footprints, but there wasn't anything I could see. What about the dog? Oh, him? I found him all right just a couple of blocks from the store. He was half dead. Looked like he'd been hit over the head with a gun butt or something. Had he broken the rope that Crawford had him tied with? Yeah, yeah, he had. Broke it clean in two. Then he must have chased Crawford's murderer. Huh? Oh, you're right, Hoppy. The murderer is the one that liked to kill him. Looked like there was quite a scuffle there. Well, yeah. You got any ideas, Hoppy? Uh, a couple. None can do any good as long as I'm cooped up in here. Judge Bryan said he might be able to get you released tomorrow. I know, but if he doesn't... Hoppy, then... uh... I don't like to worry you, but there's something you ought to know. What's that? There's quite a crowd over at the Silver Sage Saloon. Some of them's talking about a uh, lynching. What? Yeah, some of them's saying there's enough evidence again you to hang you anyway. If they keep thinking that way, they, they might try it. I gotta get out of here. Yeah, but how? Go get our horses on a couple of strong ropes. This jail's not too solid. Maybe you can pull that window right out, bars and all. That's a good idea, Hoppy. Hurry, California, and don't let anybody see you. Yeah, got the ropes. I got them. But we better hurry. That mob over to the saloon's getting bigger and crazier every minute. Here, tie this to one of them bars. All right. The sheriff's still out in front. Was when I went by on the way to get the horses tight. So is mine. I'll give the horses a run at it. Listen. What's that? Sounds like that mob
3: from this room. They're out front. Get going, California. I never did like the idea of wearing a hemp necktie. Right, Hoppy. Here goes. Hey, get up there.
4: Good work, California. Hurry, Hoppy. Hurry. I'm coming. Move the window. Move
6: it. Get it away, man. Yes, Come on,
7: copper. Hoppy. On, California. This way. Ah, oh, that was close, Hoppy. Yeah,
3: they couldn't follow us in the dark, though. What do we do now? Well, if you were in that mob, what would you expect an escaped prisoner to do?
4: Why, uh, keep right on a run and running, I reckon. Put as
3: much distance
4: between him and the mob as he could before they send a batch of posses out after him. Ah, that's just what I figure they'll think.
3: So we're going back into town pronto. Where, where, what? Well, have you gone local? <laughs> I hope not, California. That's the only thing we can do. We can't keep running that sure. But what are we going to do once we get back to Spurlock? I don't know exactly. While they're organizing a posse, it'll give us a chance to check up on a couple of ideas of mine. Are you with me? What are we waiting for? Come on. I think this key is going to work,
4: Hop. Good work, California. Come on in and shut the door. I just hope you don't walk in on us here. Uh, we got to hurry. Look through that bureau and any place else they might have been hidden. I'll look through the closet. Right, Hoppy? You got plenty of matches? Uh, see. Yeah. Mm, nothing here but clean shirts and stuff. I'll keep looking. <coughs> no sign of them, Hoppy. Well, maybe I was wrong. Wait a second. Look here.
7: Well,
3: well, I'll be stuck back in the corner there. Yeah, that's just what we're looking for, too. Come on, we got to get over to Grace Crawford's house.
5: Mr. Cassidy, you shouldn't come here. Jake just came by and said the whole town's down at the saloon. They're organizing posses to search for you.
3: Ah, that's fine. I'll save them the trouble in a minute.
5: You mean you're going to give yourself up?
3: Not exactly, I'm going to try to show your husband's murderer up.
5: You know who it was?
3: I think I do, but proving it may not be so simple.
5: Is there anything I can do to help?
3: Yes, I'd like to see the dog if you'll show me where he is.
5: Why, of course, he's on the back porch.
3: How's he making out by now?
5: Well, he's better, but, well, come with me and you can see for yourself.
3: I'll bring the lamp. Your husband told me he was sort of a one-man dog. Well,
5: that's right. He wouldn't have anything to do with anybody else.
3: Well, hello, old-timer.
5: Poor thing. He doesn't seem to know what's happened.
3: Tell me, uh, was he mean or vicious with other people?
5: No, not mean or vicious. But of course, he didn't have much chance to be. Frank kept him tied out back of the store, and nobody would go near him anyway.
3: You think he'd come with me for a little while without your being alone?
5: I don't know. I think so. Why?
3: I think Colonel here might help us prove something. It's worth a try, anyway. He acts like he wants to be friendly anyhow. Hi there, fella. (laughs) That's a good old boy.
5: I never saw him do that before. Licking your hand.
3: Can you get up all right, boy? Come on, up, boy.
5: He acts as if he wants to go with you, Mr. Cassidy. Uh, Here,
4: Hoppy, want to use this leather strap for leash?
3: Yeah, thanks. Ah, there we are, old-timer. How's that? Guess that means it's all right, Hoppy. All right, let's get going
4: can you see in the window hoppy yeah must be 30 or 40 men inside the sheriff's talking to them let's get over closer to them batwing doors maybe we can hear what they're saying Hang on to that leash, California. I got it. Listen here. Good Moistons boy, six
6: men head up. The trail Listen. Junction. Okay, Sheriff.
2: We're ready. Gorman, you and Farrell can take some men down towards Apache Creek. They might have headed that way, direction.
3: If they did, we'll get them. Ah, uh, we can save you the trouble, Sheriff. No. That's it? Get them. Watch it, Gorman. They've got guns. Stay where you are, love you, and keep your hands in sight. You better give yourself
2: up, Cassidy. You can't get away this time.
3: I'm not figuring to get away, Sheriff. Frank Crawford's murderer in this mob, and I'm gonna prove it. What are you driving at? Whoever shot Crawford almost killed his dog, too, after the dog broke loose and chased him. Unless I miss my guess, the dog can show us who that man is. That's ridiculous, Sheriff. Come on, let's get
6: that's him. It's just a stall, <laughs> that's all it is. Just a minute. Cassidy may have an idea here.
3: You can't prove anything with that dog. I'm afraid you're going about things in the wrong way, Cassidy. It's worth a try, Judge. You still think it was either Gorman or Farrell that killed Crawford? Why, why, why yes, but... Uh, why, you, Walt? Uh, All right, Gorman. Suppose you come up here and pet the dog. Come on, get a move on. Well, all right, but... Hmm. Nice dog. Good dog. There. All right, you're next, Farrell. And I like dogs. Why should I... Get moving. That's a good fellow. Good boy. Hmm. You don't seem to be proving much, Cassidy. Maybe I'd better consult my lawyer, Sheriff. Come here a minute, Judge. Well, what do you want, Cassidy? I ceased being your lawyer when you broke out of jail. I said come here. Now. Will I?
7: Uh,
3: don't let go of that piece. Well, he doesn't seem to take these, does he, Judge? I don't
4: know whether it can hold him or not. Holy judge is all for his gun.
3: drop it, Judge. <laughs>
1: Judge
4: is locked up safe, Cassidy, and you were right. One of his legs was tore up where that dog had bit him. That varmint had a right clever scheme worked out to get rid of Crawford and put the blame everywhere but on his shelf.
3: Yeah, and he had more motive than either Gorman or Farrell for killing Crawford.
4: I declare I never would have thought the judge was an ambassador. But I suppose handling all of Crawford's investments was just too much temptation. How'd you get wise to that, Bill Cassidy? <laughs>
3: I didn't think of that until I was practically sure he'd shot Crawford. I first suspected him the night after the shooting when he came to the jail to visit me. You see, Sheriff, he told Hoppy and me he was going to his
4: office to do some work that night, just before the shooting.
1: Yeah, but
3: what's that got to do with it? Well, I knew Crawford's dog had broken loose and chased somebody. And when the judge came to see me, I noticed he'd changed his pants. I got to thinking it was sort of strange for a man to get into a new pair of pants just to work in at night. <laughs> and when we looked through the
4: judge's house, sure enough, there was the old pair, the dog a-torn, in his clutch. Well, I declare. Well, I'm glad the whole thing's settled. And, oh, I'm sorry about all the trouble you got into. <laughs> I'm afraid to
3: owe you both an apology. <laughs> I'm willing to call it even if you are, Sheriff. Call it even? Yeah. You owe us an apology, and we owe you a jail window. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the judge was really up against it when he tangled with both Hoppy and the loyal one-man dog in his scheme to solve his money troubles with a shot in the dark. Hoffee and California reluctantly part company with ten thousand dollars in gold when they walk into a bank run by bandits and gunfighters in a town turned inside out for a gunhawk convention. Don't miss this next thrilling adventure. Oh. Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd, is transcribed and produced in the West by Walter White Jr. A Shot in the Dark was written by R.T. Smith, with original music under the personal direction of Albert Glasser. All stories are based upon the characters created by Clarence E. Mulford. This is a Commodore production.
1: Stay tuned for Honest Herald next on Theatre of the Mind. Time now to visit another radio station for a visit with Harold Perry, who is well known as the great Gildersleeve. This time around he plays Honest Harold, a talk show host in the 1940s. The Harold Perry Show! <laughs>
7: yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
8: And now, Harold Perry as Honest Harold the Homemaker. If you lived in Melrose Springs and you turned on your radio at 10 o'clock in the morning, you'd hear a program that's very popular with the ladies, Honest Harold the Homemaker. But not always so popular with Mr. Carruthers, the owner of KHJP, and his nephew, Stanley Peabody, the station manager. It's evening now. Harold is at the radio station preparing his program for the next morning. With him is his assistant, Little Billy the Ex-Jockey. Well,
9: let's work on the mail now, Little Billy. Yeah, here's a lady that wants to know why a window dresser always turns the price tag so you can't read them. <laughs> That's your assignment for tomorrow, Little Billy. Go on down to Hershey's department store and find out.
10: Okay, Hal Pal. Uh, here's some social items that our regular contributor from Asheville sent us.
9: Oh, yes, Aunt Mary. Let's see. They're usually pretty good. (laughs) Dear Harold, not much to report to you this week, except that we did have a little excitement here a few days back. Amy Streeter forgot and left her grandpa on the porch overnight. (laughs)
10: Listen,
9: this one isn't bad either. My cousin Joe was 32 this week. We don't know what to do with Joe... He hasn't made that.
10: A- huh? I've got an idea that'll really pep up your program.
9: Oh, good! What is it, Billy?
10: Why don't you give tips on the horse races? D-
9: what? Me, <laughs> Billy? Let's forget the horse races. Who's that? Uh, I suppose it's Snoopy, Poopy, Peabody. Just because he's the manager around here, he thinks he can walk.
11: Hello, Harold. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Ellie. <laughs> Hello, little Billy. Hello.
9: Well, this is quite a surprise. I didn't know you were coming down to the station tonight.
11: Yes, Stanley asked me to come down and help him take inventory.
9: Oh, you're with Peabody, eh?
11: No, Harold, don't be joking.
9: Well, as long as you're here, I guess we could have a cozy little chat.
10: Yeah, let's have a cozy little chat.
9: uh, (laughs) Billy, weren't you going home early tonight and look over a racing form or something?
10: Go home and... Uh Uh-oh, I get it.
9: Yes, he gets it.
10: You want me to look over a racing form while you look over a Philly.
12: (laughs) Philly? That's silly,
9: Billy.
10: So long, Hal Pal.
9: (laughs) Imagine that little jockey having an idea like that. Well, Philly, uh,
11: Evie? I I just dropped in to say hello for a minute. Stanley's waiting for me.
9: Stanley, huh? That professional nephew. That nincompoop. That good. Oh, hello, Stanley.
7: <laughs>
9: nice seeing you. <laughs> hello, Ham. Uh, taking inventory, eh, Stanley? Guess you counted in old Honest Harold, the homemaker. No, I was only counting the
13: assets tonight, liabilities tomorrow. E- <laughs>
7: <laughs> well,
13: I led with my chin. <laughs> Ready, Evelina? I'll take you home now.
7: Well,
9: uh, Stanley, all through checking things around the station? Yes, of course. Uh, did you check the thermowattle? The what? But well, you're the manager of a radio station. You ought to know what a thermowattle is. Well. well if that isn't checked, Stanley, it could burn out the transmitter, explode the static condenser, and blow up the whole station. It could? Evelina, uh, will you excuse me?
13: I, I just remembered something.
11: I'll see you later. You know, it's funny, but I've never heard of a thermowattle.
9: You haven't? Neither have I. <laughs> yeah,
7: yeah.
11: Honest Harold. Well, all spare and love and
9: war and thermowattles. Come on, I'll walk you home.
11: Oh, you don't have to do that.
9: Can't have you walking all that way by yourself.
11: But it's only three blocks.
9: Not the way we're going. (laughs) Yeah,
11: yeah. (laughs) Thanks. We'll have to be quiet. Uncle Doc is
9: asleep. Yeah, dear old Doc, yak, yak. How is the old veterinarian? I suppose he had a hard day manicuring sheep.
11: Sit down, Harry.
9: Guess I'll sit here on the sofa next to you. <laughs> what did I sit on? Oh, Encyclopedia Britannica. Aardvark to chromosome.
7: <laughs>
9: Must have sat on aardvark. uh, This is nice, sitting here with you Yes, it is Evie, how about a little kiss?
11: Now, Harold, there's no reason why we can't just sit here and talk Talk?
9: All right How are things down at the office, Evie? Fine Good, how about a kiss? (laughs) (laughs) Evie, why haven't you ever married? Oh,
11: I don't know I suppose I've been waiting for a tall, slender prince charming.
9: Oh, would you settle for a short, chubby homemaker?
11: How <laughs> do you know I'm very fond of you. You have so many good qualities, especially your honesty. Well, <laughs> but it's important to have a sense of proportion. Sometimes you go off on impulsive crusades about inconsequential things. You tilt at windmill.
9: I do. Last thing I tilted was a pinball machine.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I still like
11: Don Quixote.
9: Don Quixote? Oh.
11: Don Quixote was a character in one of the great novels about old Spain. He was a crusader, too. Oh. Uh, he saw every windmill as an imaginary enemy and went charging into it with his lance.
9: Oh, I wouldn't do that. Besides, there aren't any windmills in Malro Springs.
11: Oh, dear, I, I guess you'll never change.
9: Evie. Would it make any difference to you if I did? Well, it might. Well, if it means so much to you, I'll reform. No more tilting pinball and uh, windmills.
11: Do you really mean that, Harold?
9: You bet I do. You know you mean an awful lot to me, Evelina. Remember when I used to sing this to you? Evelina, won't you ever take a
7: shine to that moon?
9: Remember? Remember? liner ain't you bothered by that bobblinx too? Tell me, tell me how long you're gonna keep delaying the day. Don't you reckon it's wrong? Rifling with your honey this way,
7: liner
9: Won't you pay a little mind to me soon? Wake up, wake up. The earth is fair. The fruit is fine But what's the use of smelling Watermelon Clinging to another
7: fallen line liner Won't you
9: roll off that vine And be mine.
11: That was nice, Harold.
9: You like it? Great. I'll sing another chorus.
11: Hey,
14: down there.
9: Oh, it's old Doc Yak Yak. What does the old horse doctor want now?
14: Evelina, did one of my animals get loose? Why, no, Uncle.
7: Ah.
14: Thought
7: I heard
9: a jackass braiding in the fire. I've been insulted. Good night, Evie. Better hurry. I'll be late for my program this morning. Gosh, it was nice being with Evie last night. Well, from now on, I'm going to change. Yes, sir. No more tilting at windmills.
14: Hey there, lover boy. Oh, good morning, Doc. Good
9: morning, Harold. Yeah, see so you got your little satchel with you, Doc. You back in the veterinary business? On an emergency
14: call. Hmm? I got a warm nose down at the dog pound.
7: Yeah. <laughs> oh? <laughs>
14: hey, uh, you were getting a little uh, cozy with my niece in the parlor last night. Weren't you, dreamboat? <laughs> well, how did you know? Well, I snuck downstairs and took a look. Doc, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. I was
9: kind of sorry. Didn't learn a thing. <laughs>
7: <laughs> uh,
9: Evie is wonderful, Doc. She's going to make a new man out of me. Yes, sir. You're now looking at the new Harold Hemp. Don't look a bit better than the old one.
7: <laughs>
9: no more going to bat
14: over every... Say, Harold. Uh? Heard something this morning that ought to interest an old crusader like you. What? city's planning to cut down that big elm tree on Main Street. The one by Hofstad's hardware store? They can't do that, Doc. Why, that tree is as old as Melrose Springs. Now she's leaning. <clears throat> old man Hofstad claims it might fall on his store. Says it's like living under the hanging sword of Damocles.
9: Why, the old crab. I defy the city to cut down that tree. Just wait till you hear my program this morning. Woodman, spare that tree. Touch not a single bough. For years it's sheltered me, and I'll protect it. Oh. That's a nice poem, but it don't rhyme. I just remembered something, Doc. If the city wants to cut down that tree, it's no affair of mine. What? It's just another windmill. Oh, it's a tree. I'm not interested. Not one little bit, Doc. I'm through crusading over these little inconsequential things. Harold, are you sick? What? Let me feel your nose.
7: (laughs) Please, Doc.
9: After all, what if they do cut down that elm tree? That's because the whole town's grown up around it. All the children played in its shade. Sweethearts carved their initials in it. Little birds had their happy homes there. (laughs) See you later, Doc.
15: Good morning, this is Station K.H.J.P., the station of the friendly frost morning. Honest Harold the Homemaker will be on in 20 minutes. I think off again, on again, Harold they ought to call him.
9: Well, good morning, Lori.
15: Good morning, Mr. Hemp. I've got some good news. You're going to have some new spot announcements on your program.
9: Well, that's good. Who's the sponsor?
15: Smiling Sprockets Pawn Shop. Uh, you know, be happy, hocket with Sprockets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes.
9: I pawned my mandolin there once. He learned how to play it better than I did.
15: Oh, Mr. Hemp, eh? I saw something in the paper this morning. I think you ought to know. What's that? The city council vetoed the appropriation for pigeon feeding in Boomer Park.
9: What? Why those hard-hearted, nickel-nursing anti-pigeonists? They'll hear from Harold Hemp.
15: Oh, I knew the pigeons could count on you.
9: Yeah, absolutely. Just wait till I get on the air. I'll... Oop! No, I won't. I mustn't be a Don Quixote. Don who? Gloria, haven't you ever heard of Don Quixote?
15: Oh, sure. I love his rumba music. Yeah, he
9: plays like a windmill. <laughs> uh, see you later, Gloria.
15: Oh, Mr. Hemp. Huh? I forgot to tell you. Mr. Peabody wants to see you in his office and right away.
9: Oh, he does, eh? Getting to be a habit. Well, all right. But he's mad because I sent him after thermowattle last night. Guess he found out there's no such thing. I don't know why I do things like that, to Stanley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you'll read the riot act to me. Well, might as well go in and face the chin music. Well, good morning, Stanley. Uh, hello, Hemp, sit down.
7: Yeah, thank you.
13: Uh,
9: that was pretty clever
13: of you last night sending me to look for that thermo wattle. Well. <laughs> it took me two hours, but I finally found it.
7: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It is?
13: I wonder what it is. (laughs) But that wasn't what I wanted to see you about. Hemp, as you may be aware, my uncle, Mr. Carruthers, and the owner of this station, is attaining his 65th birthday next week.
9: Good. The old skin flint.
13: (laughs) Obviously, an event like this calls for a celebration of major proportions. I want to make this a day that will burn forever in his memory. Something that will give him a real glow. We could set fire to his beard. (laughs) This celebration must be well thought out,
9: well planned
13: and an idea just popped into my head. It's
9: going to be awfully lonesome in there.
13: (laughs) My idea has to do with
9: Boomer Park. Boomer Pie.
13: As you know, the park was named after General Boomer, a very vague figure in the history of our town.
9: They? Well, I would say... In
13: view of the many civic contributions my uncle has made to Melrose Springs, I propose our city change the name from Boomer Park to Carruthers Park. What? And, of course, replace that statue of General Boomer with one of Mr. Carruthers.
9: Peabody, I won't stand for that. General Boomer was a great man.
13: Why, he founded Melrose Springs. But the name is still going to be changed to Carruthers Park. Over my dead body. That will be a pleasure. Oh? But starting this morning, you will convince your listeners that you are heartily in favor of the idea. That's an order You ought to be ashamed of yourself Trying to put something like this Over on the people of this town I won't do it It's against my principles Honest, Harold This is no time For one of your stupid crusades Don't you call
9: Crusades? Oh, I almost forgot Evelina. What? Stanley Yes I despise myself for this But I'll do it Good I want you to know, Stanley I'm only doing this for love Harold Not you, Peabody I hate you
7: (laughs)
8: Turn for the second act of our story, Honest Harold, in just a moment. Three more top stars check in next Sunday, October first, at CBS. The Stars Address. Amos and Andy will be back with the Kingfish and their other cronies, and Red Skelton will return for another great season of laughter with Junior, the Mean Widow Kid, Willie Lump Lump, and Dead Eye the Cowboy. Be listening next Sunday night for the return of Amos and Andy and Red Skelton on most of these same CBS stations. <laughs> Back to Honest Harold, who's a little unhappy at this moment. <laughs> For the first time on his Happy Homemakers program, Honest Harold let the people of Melrose Springs down. You said it. Against all his instincts, he came out in favor of changing the name of Boomer Park to Carruthers Park. Yeah, I could bite my tongue off. It's late in the afternoon, and Honest Harold is slinking down the hall of the radio station.
9: Good night, George.
8: Probably didn't hear me.
9: Good night, Jerry. Must be busy working on those W-4 forms. <laughs> uh, Good night. Snob.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
9: uh, you might as well face it, Honest Harold. Ever since your program this morning, nobody's speaking to you. Good night, Harold. Good night, Peabody.
7: <laughs> there
13: goes
9: one windmill I ought to tilt. <laughs> Relative. Uh,
15: yes, Gloria? Oh, gee, everybody's sure mad at you.
9: Yeah, I'm aware of that, Gloria.
15: Mr. Feeney calls from the post office. There's a stack of letters there for you already. He said some of them threaten mayhem. What's that?
9: May... <laughs> Never mind, Gloria. Well, I think I'll run over and see Evelina.
15: Mr. Ham, mm. do you want me to take the calls that come in for you? No,
9: better not, Gloria. You're too young to hear that kind of language. (laughs) Hope Evie's home. It'd be nice to talk to her. After all, I'm doing this for her. Oh, it's you. (laughs) Good evening, Doc. Is Evie home? Nope. Oh? Be home soon? Nope. Uh Oh. She's still over at Carruthers. She's taking
14: dictation from him, too. Oop. Mind fight.
9: Come in a while, Doc.
14: Can't stop you.
9: Well. <laughs> what's new?
14: Carruthers Park. Now look here, Doc. Honest Harold. But Doc, I'm doing it. Just this. goes to prove what I always said. Animals are more honest than people. Mm-hmm. Never catch a cow trying to sneak on a streetcar with a three-day-old transfer.
7: Doc! Never
14: heard of an Airedale being sent to jail for cheating on his income tax. Doc, what else could I do? All I know is I'm disappointed in you, Harold. Coming out in favor of changing the name of Boomer Park. You know everybody's against a thing like that. Why, if you keep this up, you won't
9: have a friend in town. I don't care. I'm doing what I think is right, and I'll stand by it. I'm as honest as I ever was. I'm. I'm. I'm a low, crawling, miserable worm. <laughs> I ought to go home. Mother will have a nice, hot supper waiting for me. But well, I'm not hungry. Can't face anybody. She might have fried eggs lying there staring at me. <laughs>
7: <laughs> hey there, Hello! wake up! Oh,
9: hello, Billy. Well, I suppose you're mad at me, too.
10: Mad at you? Why?
9: Then you think I did right about Boomer
10: Park? Absolutely. Pretty clever, pal, the way you fixed the race. What? Old oh, man Carruthers must be slipping you a pocketbook to pull a double cross like this.
9: <laughs> Billy, I want you to understand that I'm not doing this for money.
10: Sure, I know. <laughs> <laughs>
7: well, I'm not.
10: I can just see the race. Huh? Boomer Park's the favorite with all the suckers. Carruthers Park is a long shot. A pig.
12: <laughs> Billy?
10: The horses are on the track. They're at the starting gate. They're off! Yeah. Hmm? Boomer Park leads all the way until the stretch And then when the judges ain't looking You take the needle, lift up the saddle And jab Carruthers in the hindquarters
9: Billy, I'll do no such thing
10: And Carruthers Park shoots inside the rail And wins by a no
9: Oh, for heaven's sake, this is ridiculous Billy, you know very well that I wouldn't have anything to do with a crooked race
10: Well, maybe it ain't a crooked race But I just hope they don't give you a saliva test (laughs)
9: Why don't I go home? I'll have to go home sometime. Why didn't I pick some other place to walk? Boomer Park. Anybody sees me here, I'll get shot. Oh, hello, little pigeon. Well, come here, nice pigeon. Whoop. (laughs) flew away. He's mad at me, too. Uh, uh, What am I going to do? Who's that? Uh Huh? General Boomer statue Hello, General How are things? Just think Been sitting on that horse For 80 years Must be getting saddle
7: sore
9: (laughs) Hope you don't mind, General If they move you out of the park Maybe they'll put you out In the country someplace With no pigeons
7: (laughs) Hate
9: to do this to you, General, but it's for love. You must understand about love. You had 11 children. <laughs> Gosh, General, put yourself in my place. A man's got to be sensible sometimes. got to play it safe. You'd do the same thing, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? No. No, you wouldn't. I read about you in the Civil War. At the Battle of Antietam, you didn't say, let's play it safe. You said, follow me, I'm moving up. And at Stone Mountain, you didn't say, let's be sensible. You said, it's now or never, boys. Follow me. And at Missionary Ridge, did you say, let's run away today and fight tomorrow? No, you said, are you with me, boys? I'm going forward. And you won. General Boomer, I won't let you down. Tomorrow morning, Honest Harold is moving into battle. Pigeons, I mean, fellas, follow me. And so, listeners, this is Honest Harold, the homemaker, telling you once again that I will oppose, and I urge all of you to oppose, any scheme to change the name of Boomer Park. And I'm sorry I gave you the wrong advice yesterday, girls, and I promise you I'll never let you down again. And that stands, no matter what uncle or what nephew might say. Hank, have you gone mad? The static you just heard is Stanley Peabody. And so, folks, until tomorrow, if there is one, this is Honest Harold, the homemaker, saying goodbye. And goodbye, General Boomer. Hemp, I'll have your head for this. Well, all I can say is, Stanley, you could use it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey,
13: here's Do you know who was listening to your program? Mr. Carruthers. Mr. Carruthers? Was he upset? Oh. He wants to see you at his home immediately. And unless I'm mistaken, he'll give me orders to fire you. Hmm. You've forgotten one thing, Stanley. old oh, boy, his wife is one of my staunchest admirers. Why, she wouldn't let him fire me. For your information, Hemp, Mrs. Carruthers left on a trip to New York this morning. Oop, I should
9: have gone with her. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Here's Carruthers' mansion. Big. Looks more like a medieval castle. Probably has a torture chamber in the cellar for (laughs) ex-employees. Door's opening. Sure needs oiling. Come in. So does he. (laughs) Thank you. Big butler. So you're the butler here, eh? Yeah, How do you like butling? Must be a silent butler (laughs) I'm uh, here to see Mr. Carruthers Down the hall Down, down the hall (laughs) Thank you, thank you very much Wonder what he charged to haunt the radio station Uh, Sure is a long haul That big tapestry What's that? Uh, and these knights in suits of armor. wonder if they used to get two pair of pants for those suits.
7: <laughs> uh,
9: this must be his study.
12: Come in. Uh, Mr. Carruthers? Mr. Carruthers, you'll address me by my military title, sir. Major. Major? That's right. Major Aloysius Carruthers, Life Horse Cavalry, 3rd Platoon National Guard. Who are you? Harold Hemp, BPOE reporting, sir. <laughs> Oh, thank you You the young fellow has a program on my station? Uh, Yes, sir Honest Harold, the homemaker Um, Songs, household hints Why, hint? Come right out and say what you mean Uh, uh, Oh, yes, sir, I'll do that Why doesn't the old boy fire me and get it over with? Uh, How are things at the station? I may inspect there one of these days Ready for inspection? Huh? Always be ready for inspection Keep your shoes shine. Never volunteer Remember that. Yeah, he's
7: me. Oh, brother. <laughs> Ride a life and live
12: off the country. Now, young man, I heard you say something this morning about renaming Boomer Park. Oh, here comes the firing squad. Book there in the wall. And? Map of the Civil War, Battle of Antietam. I'm writing a book on that battle. Look at that pin, the big red one. Know what that is? A USO unit?
7: <laughs> that
12: serves General Boomer. Huh? General Martin P. Boomer, one of the greatest practitioners of the Civil War. General Boomer? Follow me, I'm moving up, Boomer? His words exactly. Oh, Oh, remarkable soldier. And that ant-brained nephew of my wife wanted to rename Boomer Park after me. Doesn't he know the difference between a major and a general? I'll explain it to him, sir. Right. Go back there, Hemp, and shake up that outfit. Tighten things up. Tell him to prepare for inspection. Yes, sir. It'll be a pleasure. Honest Harold, you're dismissed. Dismissed? Oh, you mean I can go.
7: <laughs> 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 <La-da-dee-da-da>.
9: <laughs> Heavy?
11: Yes, Harold?
9: You weren't angry with me for breaking my promise?
11: Why, no. In fact, I'm very proud of you. You are? There are some things a man has to take a stand on. And I think General Boomer was a very worthwhile crusade. Yeah. And I'm more convinced than ever that you should run for mayor. Abby? Yes.
9: How about moving over a little closer to the next mayor?
11: Well, if you'll promise to behave.
9: Sure, I promise.
11: All right. <laughs> Harold, you promised to behave.
9: That was just a campaign promise. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs>
8: Just heard, The Harold Perry Show, Honest Harold. Supporting players included Francis Robinson, Ken Peters, Jerry Marin, Jack Moyles, and Will Wright, and featured Gloria Holiday as Gloria and Joseph Kearns as old Doc Yak Yak. Norman MacDonald directed, and the music was composed and conducted by Jack Meekin. Tonight's script was written by Gene Stone, Jack Robinson, and Dick Powell.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with Inner Sanctum, followed by Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air.